Okay, good morning. Welcome to the Think Education podcast. It's Friday the 17th of May, and this is being recorded in Westminster International University in pretty sunny Tashkent at the moment. It's about, I don't know, 25, 30 degrees, something like that. And I'm delighted to be joined today by two colleagues from Wyatt. Um, I will let them introduce themselves properly, um, but I've, I've been having very interesting T&E conversations with them over the past year. And um, hopefully today we're going to delve into some of the issues about T&E, particularly in Tashkent and Uzbekistan. So, please. I'm Labar, as I'm Dean of Teaching and Learning, responsible for undergraduate studies at Wyatt. Um, been here since the beginning, so I pretty much know how it was evolving, developing, and where we are now. And when you say since the beginning, that's... 2002. 2002. Yeah. So this is going to be something we'll pick up a lot, but Wyatt is one of the oldest, most established t e institutions or entities in the world. Yeah, and it's the first time of its kind in the Central Asia, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, hello, Alisher, a former deputy director of the finance in the Westminster International University in Tashkent, and now I'm a part of a consulting company. So, but I'm still a part-time teaching and still have a huge uh, interest in the research in, in terms of a T&E. So, uh, yeah, Wyatt is, is a quite a, a unique. Uh, I, actually, I joined Wyatt uh, after the almost 20 years in industry. So I came to the uh, academics as, as, as just an associate lecturer and uh, still enjoying the, doing the more academic job uh, but uh, unfortunately or fortunately the university needs not only academics they need also the administrators so those who will manage the processes so that's why uh, uh, within the six years uh, uh, after the joining uh, I, I became a course leader initially for the business administration and then uh, was called for the uh, deputy director of the finance and it was uh, quite an interesting perspective from the inside to learn how the institution works and then interesting to see how the other international uh, universities uh, which actually now in Tashkent is more than seven performing uh, so uh, it was a, a, a good to learn about and I hope uh, we will see more and more uh, different cases or uh, different forms of a t not only in Uzbekistan, but in Central Asia and further. Okay. So, do you mind saying a, a little bit about what Wyatt is and how it started? Well, Wyatt is a partnership between uh, Uzbekistan, well, it started as a partnership between Uzbek government and University of Westminster, which is located in London. And the idea was to create a university higher education institution which will, as a, as a first aim, would have a capacity building and uh, will bring a change to the higher education. And so, well, what else? So, and it's been, and it's now getting close to its 20th year, right? Yeah, it's getting close to the 20th year. And, the, the, well, the relationships from the beginning where it's not franchised, so we do have academic freedom, we have to do research, 
uh, and we are validating our own programs. Yes, it is uh, very close to what, what is delivered at the University of Westminster, but we go through all the QA processes which are established in UK higher education, but we do have our own courses which are tailored towards the, um, the Central Asian region, or, yeah, taking into consideration the profile of students and applicants mm. and, and maybe even higher education mm. in the country. So um, I was curious, when you both respectively joined Wyatt, and this is a question I'm also interested about, student perception, did you, what did you think you were joining? Were you joining a British institution? Were you joining an Uzbek? Were you joining something that you didn't really know because it was sort of this hybrid partnership? Obviously now you've been here a long time, you, you've got a clear understanding, as you said, of the, the workings, but if you can think back to when you, when you joined. Uh, actually, I graduated this university as a master student uh, in 2011, and after this, uh, I was in love with the university, so I decided to join and, and drop my business career. Uh, as for the joining, it, it was a definitely British university. It was a British British, yeah, uh, and. Uh, why the white is actually I want to add up to the what the Lobar said. So it was set up in 2002 with the uh, aim of a capacity building. The previously the history of the last 70 years. Uh, so the, the Uzbekistan was a part of the Soviet Union. So it adopted the Soviet Union education system. And uh, what I, I learned the main purpose was was uh, to to bring the diversity in, in education. So that's why this uh, point was, it was, a, first of all, it was an experiment. Hmm. Why? Because there is, at that time, no one knows. They just bring the best practice and wants to, to see whether it will flourish over there and, and how it will impact. But the aim was, was to bring the, the different education system. So from the political terms, it, it is not about the good and bad education. It is about the different why? Because the education, it, it gives the roots in the mentality of the nation as well. So that's why if you bringing in the, uh, in the uh, education something which is uh, not native, and the Soviet was a native for Uzbekistan, but the, the British was, was uh, uh, absolutely different. So uh, the basic is, 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 is to create like a, uh, a different uh, nation or different uh, type of uh, people who, who think differently. Mm. Why? Because in the education is, is about the thinking, is about the changing the people uh, vision to the whole life, to the philosophy. And what I see now, our students they are really, really different from the, those who are uh, 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 graduating the local universities or other, other universities. I heard it not from only the students or their parents, I, I, I heard it from the employers, mm -hmm. from the society. So all of them saying, oh, Westminster, you are very different. So this mm. was the aim and uh, it was a really yes, build, bringing the capacity, capacity building of uh, a different youth. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in that respect, it's a genuine impact. Yes. And obviously you've been here long enough that there's, you know, there's enough data and enough student graduates that we can actually see that, that pattern. I think it's worth mentioning that in uh, 1997, there was a Malaysian faculty this is how it was called. So it was a collaboration between... 1994. 
1994. Well, even yeah. even longer ago. Okay. Yeah. So it was collaboration between Technical University of Uzbekistan and Reno and uh, University Kebangsaan, Malaysia. Yeah. So they opened just one faculty inside the Uzbek University, and the faculty was called Business Management. So we would the intake would be only hundred students per year, and we would bring lectures, academics from Malaysia to teach in a block mode. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was undergraduate? That was only undergraduate. And, but it was not sustained because once financing stopped, then yeah. the faculty was closed. And, uh, but I think it was an interesting experience and also in terms of perception because those graduates are still called, oh, you're from Malaysian faculty. Hmm. And in, in 2002 when I joined buy it. Yes, I thought, yeah, British University opening in Tashkent. Yes, that was the perception. Mm. And so uh, that's really interesting about about the students from the Malaysian faculty, because a lot of what, one of the issues we see within T&E is where does a student think they belong? You know, mm-hmm. if they're if they're at a British university in another country or the, you know, they're at a Malaysian university yes. somewhere else or, you know, and it's always interesting to see what their genuine perception is, particularly if they don't move. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously when they've got student mobility and maybe they do a semester or a year, but you know, they come here, they spend their full career here, they graduate here, they work here, mm-hmm. but your students, you would say, still have that association with being, I'm a British graduate? I think so. Yeah. And the employers have that uh, you know, understanding or, or perception? Well, it depends. No, no, uh, I, I think I, in the majority it, it is, is, is uh, the perception it's British. Why? Because what we see, sometimes it creates the problem with the adoption of the students. Such as our lawyer students, they graduate and their diploma is a British diploma. And when they coming to the system of uh, prosecutors and the court, they're saying, oh, guys, you are not studying according to Uzbek system. Mm. So you, we cannot accept it. So uh, it was uh, many rumors of, oh, no, your diploma is not acceptable for the local institutions. But when, uh, later on, these rumors was revealed by, by the uh, official paper. They're saying, no, these students are the, the graduates of the Uzbek institution. Mm. Why? Because it's a legal, it's a Uzbek institution. That's why their diploma is, must be accepted. So it's uh, like a Uzbek-Uzbek diploma. Right. So that's why, so this kind of uh, uh, cases indicates that even the externals, the institution and the people, the society uh, see this institution and the credit of this institution as, as, as British students, not as a local. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a thing of, over time that happens. I mean, T&E institutions for real sustainable impact need to embed themselves in local context mm-hmm. and they need to be understood. Um, I work in Dubai and it's a, it's a different model where a lot of the international universities are not accredited by the ministry because they operate in free zones. Mm-hmm. So you have that thing, it's like, well, I'm an internationally global ranked university, so my degree is obviously globally recognized, but it's not formally accredited in the country that you're taking it. And there you do get that sort of different perception. Um, and and TNE is that strange moving space where who are you, where are you doing it? You know, it's, it's a you know, sort of a constant um, debate. But, and I think what it does reveal is that the local context, whether it's families or employers, often have a very different perception initially of what this T&E mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. to the extent that obviously people don't know what T&E stands for until you explain. And when yes. you explain, they still don't really understand unless they've, they've been involved in that. Well, that's interesting. You, you mentioned that there are now seven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which countries are they from? Uh, so... 
the majority now from the Russia. It is uh, three universities. Russian, Torino, so that's Italian. Torino is Italian. And Singapore. Singapore is an interesting model. Uh, the Singapore is actually located in Singapore and they took the franchise from the several universities, mm -hmm. British as well. So, and then they like bringing not one university, but, but they bring the several like universities program over here. So this are within the one university, the students, they studying and they getting the different diplomas. Okay. So, which, which is a quite, quite interesting uh, one of the form of a TME. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting that if your traditional education system was Russian, and now we have Russian imported TNE. Yes. So yes, it's, yeah. it's always going back to what, what was the nationally sort of established. Uh, um, is the Korean institution yeah, still Korean, yeah, one? Yeah, Korean is here. And now a new one is opening up. And we're expecting one more Indian university. Amity. Amity. Amity yeah. Webster. We're expecting 15, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is interesting now, the government, they see uh, and they believe that uh, the a local education system could be changed uh, through the bringing like uh, more and more cases of uh, uh, international <coughs> universities and what the academic paper saying the education always was the historically uh, the education was a, a kind of a, uh, colonization mm. so it, it's not uh, uh, like sounds good maybe but it, it is like uh, why because through the education you bring in the different culture so, and now the, what is globally happening, it's actually colonization, when the global, some culture coming to the, some closed country, and then this country is changing, so it's also a colonization, so that's why it's a, not a one-way colonization, it's, it's a both-way, probably, but the one is more than another, so that's why what we see, the people wearing differently, we start to drink a coffee, so this is what this is like a part of a culture which comes which was not native for the local country before. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's it, it's not uh, so I don't want to uh, use the word colonization from the uh, like uh, the negative things side, but more as as a academic in the research, it it is what happened. It's a process. Mm -hmm. So that's why historically the colonization also education was a, like a colonization and. The countries which uh, bring their educational institution into the uh, different country, they like uh, grew up their uh, ambassadors over there. So which spread their values, their language, their uh, cultural mm -hmm. behavior. So that's why this was a, a part of uh, like a historically used instrument. Mm. And what the local government is not a big country like Uzbekistan see, they don't want to be dependent from the one nation only. They don't want to be, why? because historically it was under the, like, uh, Russia. So they say, what they want, they want to say, no, we're independent, we're independent, and starting from the education as well. So they say, they, they don't say, oh, we are not a friend with you anymore. No, we are very close with Russia, we have a very close uh, economic impact uh, with each other. But uh, in terms of, uh, like, uh, society and the culture, uh, what the idea is, is uh, to bring more universities. Uh, it's from the India, from China, from the Korea, from the Malaysia, from the uh, many other Asian and non-Asian countries. 
of, of course it is uh, uh, the Webster recently was announced so it, it takes two, two years because I was a part of the team who work over the working group over the bringing the Webster to the Uzbekistan and uh, more British universities I, I see the uh, Uzbek law universities uh, working over, over with the several UK universities how to attract them and to set up uh, one more university. So that's why what we see the government through this, they want to bring the best practice, but at the same time they don't they don't want to be dependent from one nation. Mm -hmm. They want to, 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 to create like a mix of education institution. So that's why the, the idea, the vision is quite interesting. Yeah. What we will get as a result we will see why because the result will be maybe in the 10, 15, 20 years. Sure. No, I mean it's it's a very interesting model because most TNE hubs are driven by single feeders. So, you know, Malaysia, for example, which is a very established TNE hub, has a predominantly British mm -hmm. and then Australian sort of, because it's a very historical connection. Um, yeah, I mean, Dubai has a similar multi, you know, national, because it's, it's yeah. such a multinational country. Um, I was curious, um, how, as far as you know, how how does the Uzbek government go about attracting these partners? So are they, are they doing it from a ranking of top universities? Are they doing it from subject areas that the country needs? Are they doing it from not quite an open call, but almost sort of gauging interest and, and sort of responding? Because that's sort of a big part of the transition where at the beginning, and, and already what you're saying is a, is a different model, because normally TNE starts from dependency. We need capacity, we need foreign institutions, we open the door, let's see who comes in. Mm -hmm. And then over time, okay, thank you, we've got a lot, now we need specifically in nanotechnology or we need Islamic financing, and so you, you can pick your partners. Mm -hmm. But the rationale here, I mean, it's coming from a very different, mm -hmm. not unique, not uniquely different, because it's obviously connected with capacity building, but the approach, I think, is, is very interesting, where it's diversity-driven. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had two sort of questions. How do they go about selecting the partners? Mm -hmm. And, and what, do you, what are your views on how they'll manage that sort of integration and development of that different community? Mm -hmm. I appreciate those are fairly very big questions and some of them don't have answers. I'm just you know, curious because it's... Uh, so it is a several approaches. Uh, initial approach, oh, who wants the best of the best? So they try to attract the, like the Harvard, they try to attract MIT. Mm -hmm. So later on they say, okay, uh, this institution, they do not have a, like a motivation to go in Uzbekistan, what they will get out of there. Yeah. So th th then they say, okay, uh, so let's go. Uh, so it was a more uh, like, a, what are the best educational nation? So it is uh, historically UK, United States and Australia. Uh, then the second approach was, uh, okay, uh, let's uh, bring those who are good in some areas. So they look like uh, for the uh, legal terms. So in terms of law, so UK law is, is uh, in the business is, is, is more, more uh, spread. So that's why for the law, let's go to the UK. Mm -hmm. Oh, we need the engineers, but engineers, they are good where? So they found a Turin, but now they're also working with a couple of a German universities. Why? Because the Germans, they're a nation of engineers. 
So they want to bring a couple of uh, there. Also, they're working with the Israel University, with the Cologne University. Now uh, the Cologne University working with the uh, Tashkent State University in terms of uh, fundamental science, math, and, and this kind of STEM science more. So uh, they like uh, start to picking up. But uh, this range from the going, oh, let's just bring any, the best, uh, then let's bring those which we need. It takes for the so for 15, 20 years. Yeah, no, 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 it's not So a quick it's process. not like yeah, in our process it takes 30 seconds, no. It, it takes, uh, let's do this approach, and then they realize, oh, five years passed, why don't we have MIT or Harvard over there? So, mm -hmm. And then they start to explain, yeah, we, we approach it many, many times, they're quite welcoming us, but they're saying, guys, we do not have a plans for the now to go over there and so on. So mm -hmm. that's why it, it takes time for the uh, decision makers to learn uh, what do they need really. Mm -hmm. Why? Because initially it was, oh, we just need a different, the best of the best. Yeah, yeah. Which is a nice idea, but it's not an obviously practical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, and so how do you, given that there's now this diversity, um, are there policies or processes in place that look to integrate them with the local community, the local academic community? Um, I ask because I used to work in Malaysia and one of the, the structures that the government put in place, they allowed uh, international universities to bid for government research funding, providing they were partnered with a local university. Okay. So they were sort of engineering international local partnership, um, which you know, worked very well because in some cases the, the local university had the, the resources and, and some materials, but maybe not necessarily the, the particular capacity. So it was a useful, I mean, there were obviously issues with it, but it was a very useful strategy for, for integration. Um, I mean, you're not necessarily at that point yet, but I was just curious if you, if you had any thoughts on and one of the reasons I'm asking is because a massive influx of international education can be both a very good thing and a very damaging thing for the local context mm -hmm. because it changes the perception of, oh, if you need a good education, you have to go foreign. And that's, it might be true in some small areas, mm -hmm. but it can be damaging for, for the local. And then you get resentment and then you know, the, the whole point of t &E sort of falls down. So I was just curious if you had any ideas or thoughts on... I think at the moment, in terms of government policies, we are quite equal, and I think that's the right approach. I mean, they don't distinguish us, oh, you're international, you cannot do this, or you're international, and that's why you can do this. Mm. So we have government projects, and we can be mm. to have that together with local. If you match the, the, the same criteria, fine, go for it. Mm. But we are all academics, and... I mean, yes, the processes inside the university, for example, selection and recruitment might be different, but then criteria, I think it's, it will be the same. I mean, it's one academic world. Mm. And I don't think creating just separate policies to, to, to support international institutions is not going to be sustainable. I mean, you, you still have to, if, if it's capacity building, it's not just capacity building of this for example, Wyatt, yes to Uzbekistan, no. Wyatt should be part of this education of Uzbekistan along with local universities. So local universities learn from us and we do learn from them as well. Because I'm coming now to localization. You cannot ignore that at all, especially students. Mm. Uh, comparing, for example, our students and UK students, we have more 
parental, they have more parental engagement. So we have to, to communicate to parents mm-hmm. where it might not be acceptable in UK. And yeah. it's, it's, it's even, why, why are you talking to parents? Why are they coming? Because culture here is different. Mm-hmm. And you have to take into consideration that because it's part of student experience. You cannot ignore that. No, and, and no, and, and I mean I completely agree with you. We had um, I had a very similar experience when I, I left England and went to Malaysia. And the the joke is that in a lot of the Southeast Asian countries, you don't recruit students; you recruit parents. Yeah. Because yeah. they are Same. the primary yeah. funders. Yes. To yes. an extent, they also govern the discipline yeah. that their child yeah. studies, and so it's a very different. You know, when I was eighteen, when going to university in England, well, you you pick. Yeah. You make the mistake or you get luckier, yeah. but it was your, it was your choice. So I'm interested, to, how, do you, how does that sort of learning get fed back to Westminster, London? That sort of, as you say, cultural, local understanding. Um, because you are, in theory, and in many practices, one institution, but with two very different contextual set of constraints, right? Mm-hmm. And does, is that communicated back and forth? Like, you know, because you're saying about learning from the local universities in Tashkent. But how does, I'm curious how the, that engaged learning happens across the, the actual university partnership itself between here and the UK. How they learn from what we're from, doing. Yeah. Well, they do learn through the processes we have. For example, first thing comes, it's annual monitoring. So we do report on what we do. And in terms of structures, we're also different. We have student support, which is completely different from what is in the UK. Mm-hmm. We're now thinking about disability support, only thinking because this area is absolutely not explored here. Their disability support is very well developed in the UK. By law? Yeah. yeah. And laws here in terms of disability is just developing. And Well, we, we do inform uh, University of Westminster, but it's, uh, we are quite independent in, mm. in, in that area. So. But you have regular staff moving at least from London to here, um, yeah. whether it's for QA or yeah. discussion. So there is a there is a communication. There is a communication, yes. Yeah. Communication. Is there student mobility? Um, Summer school, that type of stuff? There is a mobility between postgraduate students. Right. So Master of Art in International Business Management. So for the last three years, we, we had students from London coming here. And our students last year also went there. Mm. And we had this uh, a short course on globalization, which was led by one of the government officials, senator. And so those students, that was extracurricular activity. So our students then at the end went to participate in the conference in London. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah. So you never know what, what are you going no. to get and where, where you're going to end up and what kind of exchange you are going to have. Because, for example, we have an issue now, staff exchange. Yes, and yes, you do want to send staff from here to London, but I, I have a question, what for? Right. You don't want them to teach or observe. It's maybe even better here, but what can you do? Mm. Yes, you can do research, establish things, but what else? Mm. Oh, interesting. I mean, and I, I agree with you that, that T&E is essentially an experiment. Yeah. yeah. And it's different in every country and every context. Yeah, and yet a lot of people, and this is maybe sort of the initial rationale that you're talking about, before T&E is embedded, people think of it as this single concept. And they'll be like, oh, I want T&E. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Well, he's got it, she's got it, I want it. Do you want partnership, dual, joint, franchise, yeah. branch? What do you want? I want T&E. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. But if you don't know what you want and you don't know how to sustain it, it's not really going to be of any, any real benefit. 
So, okay, um, I guess one, one last sort of question. Where, where do you see it going, in, 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 at least in Uzbekistan? You've, you've obviously had an increase of, of new players in the last year or so, and that looks to be, within the next year or two, looks to be also increasing further. Where do you, where do you think it's going? Uzbekistan used to be quite a close country for the twi- more than 20 years. So now they're opening up and uh, we see more and more universities coming. We see the deficit of academics and uh, logical, logical, the market like a driven approach is, is uh, we will integrate it into the global community. So we'll have a more and more uh, like a, uh, exchange uh, of uh, knowledge, of experience. So one of the idea is uh, to set up as a TNE hub. So to do the T, uh, to do the universities also to, to, to earn the money, not from the locals but also from the region. So why? Because nearby we have uh, uh, Afghanistan, which is in a terms of a population almost a 40 million, quite a big, with with almost a no education. So we see that the process in Afghanistan is moving quite a positive and that's why it's, it's a huge flow and now the Chinese universities tries to enter there. Over. So we have uh, Tajikistan nearby, we have uh, Mongolia. Uh, of course India is, is only some parts maybe, no, no, not the whole one. Uh, so that's why uh, this kind of uh, uh, development is uh, from my side it's integration with other uh, education institution and so on. So I see within the next 20 years the environment in terms of education will change hugely over here. We will see a lot of different uh, international bridge campuses. Uh, Not all of them will be sustainable. Mm. Uh, Why? Because it's not only about the uh, good cases, it's also bad cases. Mm. So, and we'll see. So. Uh, the one of the biggest, uh, like uh, strongest potential of Uzbekistan and why it's attracting is is a quickly growing population. So far, with 33 million, and the yearly growth is about 1.6 percent. Hmm. So, so yeah, uh, within the next 10-15 uh, years, we will be the second biggest nation in the uh, former Soviet Union after the Russia. So that's why the Uzbekistan is quickly growing and again about the numbers. So now 60% of the population of Uzbekistan with the age under the 27, something like this. Okay. So and the half of the population is under the age of 18. So the more, the biggest part of the population, they are still uh, plan to go for the higher education institution. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge capacity. So every year the schools, uh, they're graduating uh, about 600, 700 uh, thousand uh, uh, child or, or and uh, the university can now accept maximum a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So that's why many uh, foreign universities now from the Russia, from the China, from the Malaysia, from the Korea, uh, they're coming over here for the education exhibition, which is quite often, almost a once in a two months. And they like uh, trying to recruit more students mm-hmm. from here because it's a huge market. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's why it's yeah, it, 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 it interesting. So that's why for the university when they come again uh, from the perspective of a Webster, Webster uh, as I was a part of a working group, what they are looking at, they are looking from there. Were there any other American university or nearby? No. There is a university in Kazakhstan in Kyrgyzstan with the name of American, but they're giving the Kazakh or yeah. Kyrgyz diploma. So the website, the only in the Central Asia will be who provides the American diploma. Uh, then they see the potential. Of, of course, it's a look for at least 10 years. Yeah, so no, within course, the next yeah. 10 years, yeah. Do we have a market here? So that's why it's, it's, it's almost like the, they're looking for the ability of a population to pay for, for the services. Unfortunately, now in Uzbekistan, it's quite low, but uh, the tendency is, is quite positive. Okay, so yeah, massive capacity options, yeah. Yeah, massive growth, and lead to new new different partners. And then I'm interested to see if then Uzbekistan exports, because that's the next that's you know the next phase once you've built up and built up and built up. Yeah. Uh, the Uzbek university then goes to Tajikistan or goes to Kyrgyzstan or goes somewhere to set up its own. Um, yeah, from the research papers, uh, what we see the research papers. Uh, saying home country and host country and there is a perception the home country it is always america united states i mean uk and australia yeah. what we see now we can find the chinese university or turkish university in the united states or in the uk or in australia so those countries who 20 25 years before used to be only the host country yeah. now becoming a home country yeah. So that's why it's it's a two-way direction now. Yeah, yeah. So what I see probably, yeah, as you mentioned, so probably maybe the Uzbek institutions, Uzbek universities, uh, they will went further and they will set up some campuses in different countries. Mm-hmm. But what is the most interesting, uh, imagine the Westminster International University growing up over here and after, let's say, five, ten years, they open up there. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's like a next generation. It's like a... Uh, father and kids, and now it's a net. And then it goes from grandfather, father. Grand, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this hasn't this hasn't happened yet, but it's. I think it's going to, um, and it's then just it's interesting how, or will be interesting how, that relationship gets, managed between the branch and the home, yeah. as to whether it's then it's either franchises itself replicates itself or splits and yeah no it's it's going to be an interesting when that the first one happens it's going to be going to be very interesting. Well, thank you very much. Um, that's been fascinating. And my guess is when I come back next year, it'll be the landscape will look completely different. And we can have another one of these conversations and we can say, oh, it's not 15, it's now 35 partners. And now we've grown, <laughs> and we've grown, and we've grown. So thank you very much, both thank of you, you, for your time. Thank you very and much. Um, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you.